0: hey everyone welcome back to the channel uh this is seven convos mental health and the conversation that you're about to see uh is a conversation we had uh we recorded um on a Monday night with our community uh, related to mental health. We had a couple special guests with us. uh, Kristen Farley, who is a licensed professional counselor and an adjunct professor at Grand Canyon University, and uh, Pastor Doug Lake, who's on staff here at Gateway in Arizona. He's our Tempe campus pastor, as well as our relational care um, pastor, and we, Got some questions from young adults, um, from some people in our community related to this topic of mental health. And um, this is our conversation about those questions. And the whole point of this conversation is not to be exhaustive by any means, but really just to get the conversation started and uh, help us all identify what our immediate next step might be related to this topic. So I hope it encourages you, I hope it challenges you. Let's tune in. Hey, thank you guys so much for for being with us. I'm excited about the conversation. We got a chance to talk a little bit at the beginning. Um, and again, if you guys have questions as, as we go through this conversation, feel free, text them in, um, and uh, we'll get those and, and do our best to answer as many as possible. Um, but first, why don't we, Doug, why don't we start with you and um, just kind of give us an idea, um, just tell us a little bit about you, um, your connection to the topic of mental health, and just kind of... Um, you know, obviously, your role here at Gateway has led to some conversations that you've had the privilege of stewarding, and um, also some uh, learning opportunities for you. So, kind of just share a little bit about where you're at, and uh, related to the topic of mental health. And yeah,
1: for sure. So, I'm a human being, and I have a brain and mental capabilities. That's uh, that's why I'm here. Is uh, I'm just joking. Uh, but here, here's the truth of it. When, when you step into a role, especially as a pastor, um, one of the, the privileges that I feel is a privilege that I get to talk to so many people. I get to hear their stories. I get to hear where they are. And in my role in that is, one, to create a safe place for people to be able to do that. And Because uh, I know there's not a lot of safe places out there that you can feel like, can I— Can I share this with you? Is it safe enough to do that? Maybe you've been at church before or you've shared your story with someone else and it wasn't handled with care. Um, That hurts my heart for you. And I know there's many of you out there uh, that's happened to. And so my heart is to to just be able to kind of be a safe place for people. I have uh, grown up in the church most of my life, and uh, I realized probably about, oh gosh, probably about 10 years ago that something wasn't right with me. And uh, I remember going to, to a counselor for the first time, and the courage it takes to reach out and to get help. Uh, so if, if you're out there and you're kind of like on the fence of, should I reach out, should... I get it. I know how hard it is. And, and I, I want to affirm anybody who reaches out to get help in some way. I think it's such a healthy thing to do. So when I did that, um, my world opened up. And uh, I, I, I began to, like, this journey of healing in my heart. And we talked about it before, but some deconstruction things in my mind and in my heart with regard to mental health, with regard to uh, going to see counselor. Uh, so some of that was, was being deconstructed by me just activating myself to going to get help. And in the process, I learned some things about myself and I learned some things about God and I learned some things about other people. And so this is a, this is a journey that we are on tonight. And I was telling both of them before we start, uh, started tonight, this is just poking a little hole to shine some light, especially in the church. And I feel like one of the, like I'm, I'm not a licensed professional counselor. Uh, I, I counsel people pastorally, and I, I, I've, I've got a couple of certifications here and there, but, but I'm a practitioner, like I'm with you. In this, because I, I see a counselor. My, in fact, I got a new counselor, by the way, that I'm seeing on nice. Monday. And I'm so excited because I, I, I'm i in a place where I need to get some help. So I'm telling you tonight, we're going to poke some, some big holes, hopefully, for you uh, in some of this conversation. And this is just the start. As Isaac mentioned, we're going to continue this, especially here at Gateway. Uh, we want to continue this conversation uh, and shine light, good light. And in healthy light into it, so you can step into a wholeness that you, maybe you've never experienced before.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Um, before we get to you, Kristen, uh, I'm gonna just uh, just tell you if there's ever been a time to take notes in church, it's gonna be tonight. Um, so whether that's on your phone or a journal, I would encourage you take notes. We we're joking back in the back um, that. You know there's sometimes in church we like maybe don't take notes we don't like we're like oh this is a great topic this is a great thought but like i'm good right now right but like no one knows what next monday holds and uh, so you don't know what god may be trying to teach you and show you tonight through this conversation that you prob you might need here very sh- soon or shortly um or uh, or in the future um, or a relationship so i would encourage you take notes please um, it's uh, it's for your benefit, I'll just tell you that. And it's for my benefit. I'll watch the video again and, and take as many notes as possible. But um, anyways, so Kristen, tell us a little bit about you. First of all, thank you for being here. Can we give it up for Kristen for being here, guys? <clears throat> you kind of you hijacked my introduction of you and I got sidetracked halfway through. So we didn't get to celebrate as you kind of came out, but it's all right. Um... But Kristen, thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about you. Obviously, um, you know, I tried to share as many of your accolades and who you are as as I could. Um, But you obviously you work for GCU, licensed counselor, all of that. Share us a little bit about just about you, your journey, maybe with mental health and kind of what um, your connection, maybe just, uh, you know, kind of what got you into the field and and kind of how long you've
2: been in that field. Um, I grew up in church. Uh, My Dad's a worship leader. My brother's a worship leader. My sister's a worship leader. I have been a worship leader. I'm not currently, but, um, so it's familiar ground for me. Um, my husband and I are both ordained. We pastored churches together. Um, and I started counseling people when we were, uh, pastoring a church. And once I started, um, meeting with people, I started realizing uh, this is past what I understand. I need to go back to school, um, uh, what I had experienced in my, I'm just going to draw a box, like little life was so different than what these people had experienced. And I'm, I I wasn't, I didn't know how to deal with abuse or trauma or, um, things that I know are so prevalent. And I know probably one out of every three of you have experienced that I did not know before. And so I went back to school, um, to get my professional counseling degree because I knew I wanted to help people um, and I needed to know more about people who had experienced um, pain and trauma. Um, And so that's why I went to school. I have a degree in counseling and a certificate in trauma deprivation and... I am a therapist at GCU. You, if you're a GCU student and I'm your therapist, I'm gonna act like I don't know you for your own confidentiality rights. That's how it works. If I tell a story up here, it's not about you. You'd be surprised at how many millions of the same story I hear. I'm not telling your story. Um, and just know that I am. I like you a lot and I'm not gonna expose you. So don't have a panic attack, everything's fine. Um, But, yeah, I just want to help people. I want to love people. I think the most profound thing about me is um, that I really get that God super loves me. (laughs) And he cannot get enough of me. And he cannot stop spending time with me and talking to me and getting to know me and wanting me to get to know him. And nothing else about my life is profound. That is the most profound thing. And the thing I want for everyone everywhere is to be able to digest the enormous amount of unconditional love that exists for you and how profoundly valuable you are just right now already um, before you do anything.
0: That's huge and I think that that's a great kind of even place for us to start. and, and maybe not necessarily a place people assume we're going to start with a mental health conversation on on kind of the love of God at you. But I think there's um, maybe to kind of begin, um, you know, because we were talking and just that everything's spiritual. And but yet there seems to be this this stigma. Um, so if we can begin by simply just kind of addressing the the stigma maybe that that exists um, between church and spirituality and mental health and you know it's they're not connected they're not the same one's good one's bad one you know like there I feel like there's a lot of stigmas out there related to mental health and um even as we talked about maybe judgments assigned by simply digging into the conversation of mental health or saying maybe I'm struggling with something there's like an automatic like label that's kind of like plastered on you or though it seems at times. Um, So would you mind just kind of addressing kind of the stigma that we're seeing and kind of what, where you kind of begin with that, your thoughts kind of on that?
2: Um, Finish this verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart,
0: soul, mind, and strength.
2: And love your neighbor as
0: yourself. yourself,
2: So is your mind in there? we don't know what the word soul means, nobody does, we've been trying to define it forever, but I think soul means like our feelings, who you are, like you are not your feelings, sorry, but the things that happen in your life, like the soul, like what you feel about life. Um, So to me, there's no stigma, like why why wouldn't we wanna talk to someone who doesn't need another perspective? Whether you're talking about, should I take chemistry or not? Why wouldn't you want to talk about someone with that? Um, And why roommate is really irritating me. Why wouldn't you want to talk about someone with that? Um, So also, why wouldn't you want to learn how more to love yourself? Because you really can't love other people if you really don't know how to love and accept yourself. I mean, you can. And some of you are doing a killer job at it would be so much better if you so got how to love yourself first. So to me, there's no stigma. I also have another question. Do you brush your teeth every day? Hopefully. If you don't brush your teeth every day, raise your hand. Write that down. Okay. So we do that because our teeth get what? Yeah, and we call this thing called plaque, right? So then we also go to an additional deep cleaning twice a year. That the, our insurance pays for because that is known fact that if you don't take care of them, they will get too much plaque and they will rot and they will fall out. You must maintain your emotional health with at least the same amount you put into your teeth. You must clean off the emotional plaque that you gain every day from every encounter. Someone didn't text you back today. You got some plaque on your heart. Someone didn't invite you to the party last week. You got some plaque on your heart. Let's analyze it. You got anxious about a test? Some buildup in there. Someone scared you. You got some buildup in there. And those are just the little things, um, not to mention getting abused or violated in some way that's beyond our comprehension. So from everything to you didn't reply to my text and it hurt my feelings to you know, violent kinds of trauma people can experience. We have to keep up to date on the emotional stuff that is happening to us. We have to learn to analyze it, process it, figure out why it's hurting us so bad. Forgive people, heal. I mean, it's really a lot more than brushing your teeth every day. But that's mental and emotional health, and everybody is required to take care of it. Do you want to go ahead and? I mean, I, I think that that's, that's like part of that. the.
0: That's part of like when it comes to our physical health, right? If I'm, you know, if I'm out of shape or haven't been eating well and yeah. I don't feel good, I'm going to get a diet plan. I'm going to invite somebody into my life to hold me accountable. Yeah, we need I'm going to gonna go to the gym. Yeah. But, like, when it comes to mental health, that's, nope, don't. We don't talk about it. Pretend it doesn't exist, although we all know it does. Right. And I can't let anybody in because that's, that's bad. Is that is that kind of what you see? Or yeah. What, how do, what are your thoughts? No, we,
1: we love to compartmentalize our life in so many ways. And um, the truth of it is that we're we're a connected human being and um, God's spirit lives on the inside of us. If you've received him and guess what? My spiritual life is connected to my emotions and my emotions is actually connected to my physical body. My physical body actually has uh, uh, effects that, that are good and bad by the way I take care of it. And my relationships are actually affect that. And I have an emotional attachment to money as well. So financially, you know, and, and then, uh, of course, our calling too. So there's like six different areas right there that are all, like we like to compile, I'm going to work on this, I'm going to work on that. And guess what? They're all connected. But we've neglected, I think, many times the emotional health because it's a little mysterious. And, you know, like, if, if you didn't know what you felt growing up as a kid, that's me, um, you can become an adult that's disconnected from your emotions. And I think some of, some of us are there now where things happen to us over and over and over again. Just before tonight, I had a text come to me and I felt something inside of me go, uh-oh. You know, and it, what it felt like, sh- it felt like shame. And I usually feel shame in my gut. So when you have an, 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 an overriding emotional feeling, you usually will experience it somewhere in your body. There's a really great book called The Body Keeps the Score. And in this book, he talks about how our, our bodies are so connected and the, um, the, the emotional health of our life actually affects our physical health. I think the AMA is like 80%, 85% right in there of the physical issues that we deal with are emotionally related. But yet we're not taking care of our emotions. And then you have, and again, I'm not a doctor, but what I've read is, you know, even like Alzheimer's and, and, and some of the diseases that, you know, arthritis, those things that you just can't quite put your finger on, why they exist, maybe there's an emotional connection. I don't know. But what I do know is when I experienced that this afternoon, I'm like, oh, I didn't shame it myself because that was my, the old way that I used to work it. I had to go, wow, what's going on there? Started like, like counseling myself in essence. And I've done, done some work enough to get to this point. But I started like, like getting curious about the feeling as opposed to judging it. And that's a hard place to do because I don't do that all the time. I just was, happened to be in a really good place today to do that. But I started getting curious about it. Go, huh, when this person said this to me, I started feeling that shame again. I wonder why. Interesting is this something to be shameful about? No. Did I do anything wrong? No. So I had to do something with the shame. So I got up and I went for a walk and um, kind of dealt with it that way. Just kind of kind of get it out. Because again, the motion stays with us if we don't get it out. And so jumping around is kind of a good thing too. I've, I've done that. And if you've uh, maybe... Like I'll go in the bathroom and take a little breaks and just kind of do some of that stuff. So shake, shake it, out. it out, yeah. Taylor Swift, yeah, it's great.
0: Um, oh hey,
1: come on, a, that was a good one.
0: All right, <laughs> in a in a second, I wanna I wanna kind of uh, bring a little bit of clarity to the to the subject of mental health. What is it, first of all? What what does it entail? What are some of the things? Maybe I'm sitting there, and and I'm saying, hey, I don't um, well, why don't, why don't we just start with that now? Um, like what, what is mental health? Like what, where does it begin? If I'm sitting in the seat, which I am, I I'm right with you. I just happen to be a little closer. Um, and so if, if I'm, if I'm sitting in a seat and I'm wondering, is this conversation for me, what are some of the identifiers or what is mental health? What are some of the identifiers? How would I say, you know what, I I can grow in this area or I'm struggling with this or what is it? I think, because one of the questions is does it, is it I'm crazy or I'm not? Or what is the, how do, how do we just approach it?
2: Well, I think there's a difference between mental health and mental illness. And I think sometimes we get that messed up. So um, mental illness is like a, a level of stuckness. Like I am stuck and I've been stuck here for a while. Um, I've been sad. And not feeling like getting out of bed for a couple weeks to months now. Well now we're now we might be in a mental illness, even though I really hate to to use that word because people are bothered by it. But to me, mental health is anybody who has thoughts and feelings, which is all of us and I'm just going to clarify this, that those of you who think you don't have any feelings, I'm, I'm sure that feels wonderful. I wish that were true about me. And also, I'm, I'm, I think there's a, a level of detachment going on there that may be comfortable for you, but it's not healthy. So mental health is someone who knows how to process their thoughts, feelings, wants, and needs and communicate those thoughts, feelings, wants, and needs in a healthy manner to another human being. So that's everyone. It's not only some people. Like if I were a student at GCU right now and I was telling you free counseling, you should go as much as possible right now because it's going to be really expensive later when you figure out what I'm saying and you really need to go. Um, Every thought and feeling you have tells you something. And every want and need you have is essential to who you are and you're designed by God. We, um, I, I used to write songs and I wrote a song like, only Jesus, no more of me, but only Jesus. That's, that's a terrible lyric. It's not, that's not how it works. That's how I thought it used to work. Like just get rid of me and give me Jesus that's not how it works. God stamped his image on your life. And my name is Kristen and my unique life is Jesus and Kristen. It's not just Jesus, get rid of Kristen. And uh, to get to know God, I get to know myself. And to get to know myself, I get to know God. And that is the journey of the Christian life. It is mental health. That is what devotions is, is spending time with Divine, unconditional love that has been his image stamped on my heart and my personality, and then what that looks like coming out of my life onto you. How do I take in the love of God and then display the love of God out of my life? And mental health is when I'm like, wow, that did not look like Jesus. What is going on with me? Yeah. Jesus inside a Christian, which is going to look different than Jesus inside a Doug, and that's okay. Um, but it didn't look loving. And so that's when I'm like, okay, that didn't look loving. What's going on inside of me? Kind of what Doug was talking about earlier. And I'm going to have a process of how to, how to handle that. And I don't want to over talk, but I kind of want to lay the premise of what I laid. Later... Oh, so you have the image of God stamped on your heart and yourself. And then things happen to you. Um, you start playing soccer and you score a goal and everyone's like, yes, you scored a goal. And you start to think, oh, that felt really good. That's... Is that love? Oh, I'm awesome when I score goals. And then you get a bad grade on a test and you get in trouble and you feel awful and you're like, oh, I must not be lovable. Get good grades to be lovable. Don't get bad grades because then you're not lovable. Um, oh, there's a grown up and it's That grown-up is hitting me or hurting me in some way. Well, they're the grown-up, so it must be me. I must be bad. Um, And so we get all these labels and experiences that happen to us, and they're painful, and we start to decide what is lovable and what isn't by our performance. These are all pains and traumas in our life that happen. And then sometimes when we go to church, people say, well, you should be happy. You should act this way. And I think, oh, well, I kind of have some pain, but you want me to be happy, so okay. And then we have these, these other parts out fr- front of us that manage our life. And I dress a certain way, and I act a certain way, and I follow all the rules, and I do the church thing. And I, if I have a bad feeling, I just put it away because we're supposed to be living a fulfilled and wonderful life as Christians. And that's how you guys, that's how I fit in when I come here. And so I have these managers out in front of my life doing this. But behind those managers are the pain I never dealt with. The pain of only being loved when I score a goal. The pain of being disciplined harshly for something because my parents weren't managing their emotions. The, the pain of being broken up with and told things that probably shouldn't have been said to me. Like this pain that I'm trying to cover up with this behavior and I'm saying a truly healthy person looks behind all these managers and your managers are, are probably anxious a little bit. That's kind of how you know they're trying to manage
1: Would you say managers are coping
2: mechanisms as well? Yes. Okay,
1: we know them as that as well.
2: And also they can be very reactive. So um, they're protecting all your pain. So if someone steps on something that looked painful, you might have an angry reaction. You might sleep all day. You might do something to... Try to get yourself out of pain. So you have those, and then you have the managers where you're like, get up and have my schedule, and this is how I manage my life, and I do my hair like this, which I, evidently you're supposed to part down the middle and no more skinny jeans, but whatever. I do that because that's, what's in, that's what TikTok told me. And so I, I do the things, and I'm managing it super well. But then sometimes that breaks down. And all of that is a sign that behind there somewhere is pain I didn't deal with And if I can process it, you know what's behind there? Jesus and Kristen. The holy life that I want to live is managed by Jesus and Kristen right here. And if I can heal those parts and I can release some of those managers and protectors that are trying to protect me from feeling pain, then the full Christ-like life comes out of me. But it's already in me. It's just hidden by some of my pains and all of my managers and protectors that are trying to make me look good to the rest of the world. Cause I don't want to look like I don't have it together.
0: Then the, then the projected version of you doesn't need to be
2: when, yes. the, when the real
0: version of you is able absolutely. to kind of come through, but we kind of got to get through the clouds a little bit and that, yes. that yes. haze that's there. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything? <laughs> yeah. I, I,
1: I love that beautiful picture of, of yourself and God together in here. And, you know, I, I read this definition of mental health, and it's—I think it's really a, a, a good definition. But mental health is really a radical commitment to reality. If you think about it, um, when I feel anxious, it's usually because of something that's that I'm anticipating happening. Um, worry can be in there as well, uh, fear. So those kinds of things. And when I feel, um, you know, maybe down uh, about something, maybe sad, depressed, it's because of something that's happened in the past. And many times those things that, are, that we're dealing with, we feel this tension, you know, of, of going. But if I can understand really what is going on now in real time, and that's why processing your emotions in real time is such a healthy thing to do. Much like I did this afternoon, thankfully. Uh, but, but if we can understand what's going on and bring that awareness of, uh, and, and ask you know, questions to ourselves, even ask friends to say, hey, how are you experiencing right now? Because I feel really anxious. Am I coming across as anxious? Uh, yeah, every time you start bouncing your leg like this, yeah, I notice that I, I start feeling a little antsy around you. Any leg bouncers out there? I'm, I'm a leg bouncer.
0: No one's gonna bounce their leg. No the one's ever hour. bounce your leg.
1: No, it, and it doesn't. It, it don't again. Don't put that. That. But sometimes that energy on the inside of us is just anxious, and it's got to go somewhere. I'm a tapper. I grew up drumming in, so tapping all the time. So so that that reality of understanding what is going on now in the moment, I think it really helps us to manage some of those thoughts and, and really as scripture would say to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now there's a theological thing that's going on there, but
0: Yeah, there's a there's a question that came in about yeah, just taking you know, thoughts captive. And we'll get to it in a second. By the way, you guys have great questions. Like You did. W- amazing. We talked about a bunch of them and hopefully we'll be able to get through this. So um one of the things as we kind of dive into the deep end of the pool here, um, with some of these questions, and then I'm gonna stop talking and let you guys just teach us all what, how to how to live. Um but um but I wanna address the safety that is obviously needed. Um uh as we, as we kind of discuss this, um, one of the questions, um, that, that came through, and I'm going to just read, uh, really briefly if I can, I uh, don't have time to read all of it, but, um, it says, I, I don't always feel comfortable coming to Christians for help because mental health and neurological disorders have for so long been viewed as a moral failing. I always, I was always advised just to pray about it. When I tried that and it didn't fix everything, I just assumed that I lacked faith and began to doubt my salvation and relationship with God. And obviously, um, there's a lot about that 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 we we can we could speak to, and um, I'd love to speak more about that. And what thankfully we we'll have platforms to speak more about some of that. But just it, obviously, there's a sense of not not quite feeling safe in a in a Christian environment. Addressing that because of the maybe presuppositions that, that some have brought kind of to, to your point, some of the experiences we've had maybe in church with a, with a pastor or a counselor or a parent maybe even. Um, so what would you say, maybe Doug, first you, what would you say just related to the safety and the comfortability of, of having the courage and the strength to, or maybe, being aware that I don't have the strength, so I need to seek someone help or whatever. How would what would you say to to someone that's kind of experiencing that yeah. unsafe environment? First of all, out. I want
1: to apologize for whoever wrote that, and if that's a sentiment that you all have, especially of the church, as a representative of the church, um, this this really hurts my heart. I know there's a lot of people that feel this way that the church is not a safe place. And um, I want to change that. And I think we, as a collective group, can do that. Um, I love the way God has created us. He's created us um, with a thing inside of us called neuroception. And the whole goal of neuroception is just to make us feel safe. Everybody who came into this room, scan the room really quickly. All right, where's the safe place to sit for me tonight? You know, and, and we're constantly scanning our environment because we just want to feel safe. It's our, one of our primary needs. And when you come to church and you don't feel that, um, that, that's a problem. And so part of having this conversation is to help create safety in it. Now, the definition of safety is different for everybody. You know, and, you know, even in disclosures and things like that, if, if, if you are going to hurt yourself or hurt someone else, I am obligated. I think Kristen is obligated to, to, to share that with someone so we can get you appropriate help, especially within the church.
0: To keep you safe. To keep And those safe. around you. So even if there's...
1: A- Correct. And I think sometimes when we're in a, a flooded state, uh, we don't know what's best for us. And so we need that outside help. And and again, if if your experience has been I've been abused by the church or I, I shared something that was in a you know and everybody knew about it and all of that, that, that's not okay. But I will say this it takes so much courage to open up your heart to someone else. And as Kristen said at the beginning of this, imagine a community where we are understanding who we are in Jesus. We're, we're uh, allowing ourselves to get connected to ourselves and our emotions and, and, and understanding really what's going on on a deeper level. We're, we're working through our pain, uh, developing um, uh, an awareness of others as well, and developing empathy for others in their pain, not being codependent, like this is the environment that I, I dream about and I pray about and I say, God, help me to be in an in environment that way. Help me to create that, first of all, with my own life. But, but what would our life and our, our church, churches look like if we had this as, as our basis, that we were operating from the love of God inside of us? I think things would be different, but it goes back to that safety issue. Is we just want to feel safe. And so it takes a lot of courage to reach out and to get the help we yeah.
0: need. Did you want to add anything? Well, to I that? just
2: think that if someone comes in, the last thing they should feel from a Christian is judgment. Yeah. I just think too often that's the first thing they feel. And I think that's, I mean, we're all coming. I'm sure people who are being judgmental are coming from a good place. I know everyone's trying to figure out their theology and they want to whittle it down to some rules they know they follow because that's the way I stay inside of it. You give me the rules and I'll stay inside of it. But then I'm just so prone to judge everyone who's not following the rules as I interpret them. And I would just encourage you to You are at a space where you are just beginning to understand who God is. He is a huge mystery. And the more you study theology, the more you will understand that you do not understand him. And keep trying to understand him. But I say that to say anytime we answer with absolute authority, God said this or the Bible says this at 18, 19, 20, or even 50, we probably should check our words and say what is most essential. The thing I can whittle down to anything is not do I have a proper theology and can I explain this scripture to you, but do I love? Did the person who came into my presence feel loved? Would that be our most essential goal? Find out your theology. Find out what you believe. Absolutely. But in the end, the most essential, because he already told us it was the greatest Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If it's not loving, caution yourself. And everybody who comes in here, whether they're struggling with neurology or mental illness or pain or anxiety or anger, should feel love. And I always think, you know, when you're struggling with something and you're using a coping skill, and I have a lot of people who come to me and are like, oh, but I did this. Surely God's really upset with me. And I, I always say to them, I just think that you were looking for love. And I think God is fully understanding that you have not fully comprehended his infinite, unconditional love for you. And I think he fully understands that you used that coping school, skill or did that behavior or went out with that person because you were looking for love and you just were not fully aware of how much he loved you. And as he keeps revealing his love for you, your your behavior is going to be adjusted to that love. Um, so we got to be less judgmental and harsh to ourselves and less judgmental and harsh to other people and more loving and accepting because it's a journey toward wholeness. It's not, it's not a game of rules.
0: For sure. Um, As we dig into these questions, and obviously we sent many of the questions uh, unless they came in in the last like 12 hours uh, to you guys ahead of time a little uh, earlier and we got a chance to look through them and even talk through them. Um, and a lot of, um, you know, so some of the things that we will address here in a second is medications, um, meditation, even, uh, coping skills. And Doug, I'd love for you to touch on grief a little bit. Um, one of the things kind of to kick off a question recently, just in the last few minutes came through, and I think it needs an absolute statement, um, to begin with. Um, but one of the questions was, can, is it possible to struggle with anxiety and depression and be a Christian, is it possible to struggle? Bible says, obviously don't be anxious about anything. Uh, it says don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow to take care of itself. Um, but Doug, if you just you know, is well, it possible?
1: Yeah, wholeheartedly, yes. Um, uh, I feel like like again, those those definitions and, and all of that, that that people have heard are little things that have been passed down. Um, uh again, a lot of people have, have shared some incorrect information. And, and you look at the compassion of Jesus uh, in Scripture, and uh, he's never harsh or condemning. Uh, so the voice that you may hear uh, in your head, uh, that's not the Lord. Uh, and it can be something that, again, some, something that somebody said to you, maybe something that the enemy has, has twisted in your, in your heart in some way. Uh, but to struggle is not, a, not a sin, especially when it comes to our mental mental health and awareness. I, I feel like is there anything that, that you would add to that? Yeah, please do. <laughs> I please do. No, I, but I do feel like again with with the 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 we're trying to poke holes in the stigmas of of some of the things that have been talked about or not talked about in church. And the fact that, that you struggle um, in some way, especially with some mental illness, I know that's the, one of the big questions of is if, if somebody commits suicide, are they going to heaven? Is that the unpardonable sin? And uh, boy, that's probably a whole can of worms there. But I would say this, that, that we just don't fully understand the grace and the power of God and in those situations. And he, he wants to be with us in the middle of it. He wants to be. He knows that we are so finite. And we are so like um, fallible in so many ways. And, and he wants us to invite him into that. I think the things that we struggle with so many times we try to push away. When really God is saying, hey, just invite me in. Invite me into that. I want to be in this with you.
2: I think a lot of our anxiety even is a misunderstanding of God. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to perform something um, or be something instead of just being who we are. I I am a 50-year-old who's going to make mistakes. Well, I'm only 49. But I'm going to make mistakes today, and I'm going to learn from them. I mean, I I counsel people all the time who are scared to death to make a mistake. And I'm like, oh, you're going to make them. You're going to have to figure out how not to be afraid of that because you're going to make them. So make some mistakes. I almost say that at the end of every session, hey, guess what? You're going to screw this up. (laughs) Go ahead. It's okay. You're going to make mistakes. Um, And I think we're just so sometimes in our Christian life, we think we use the word perfect a lot. Oh, boy. That's one of the most shaming, horrific words ever designed. There's no such thing as perfect. It's not a thing. um I get it. There's a Bible verse and there's a word, and i I get it perfect we're striving for perfection. I know we are striving for being saved, which in the Greek is whole. We are on a journey toward wholeness, which I think is watching our protectors and managers, healing the pain behind them, and then living out of the wholeness as we become healed and whole, not striving to be perfect. And so I think our striving to be perfect makes us anxious. And so now your faith is telling you you can't go to counseling, but you have anxiety because of your faith. You see where we're all messed up there? Yeah. Like we just, and then you just need to come simply, someone and I need to tell you over and over again, there's no such thing as perfect. You're going to make mistakes today. And guess what? God loves you just the same.
1: I, I want to say one more thing. Here, here's one of the things that I think is so helpful to understand, especially in our growth and development. You, you use the word perfect, and there's a scripture uh, that, that says, be perfect as I am perfect. And if you look at that, it's, it's actually mature. It, it, and, and there is this maturity that God wants to grow us in, in so many different ways. And I will say this. Growing up um, as, as kids, our parents did their best. Parents did a really good job with some of us. And with some of us, they didn't do such a great job. But they were doing their best. So, so to, to go into counseling and to kind of go back into your past, that's a healthy thing to do. Because here's what the truth of it is. And again, we have to deal with reality. We didn't get everything installed properly. Our ability to trust and bond is such an important piece of how we deal with relationships with others, with God. And if we don't, don't like, get that installed properly, the ability to trust and connect and bond to other people, guess what? We're going to have relationship issues. And it may not show up until five years into our marriage. Like me. So you've got to go and get help so you can learn how to trust. Because what does that do? It develops and expands my capacity to grow and to, to, to trust and to love. I need to continue to grow on how to have healthy boundaries. Any, any gram twos out there? Come on, I know you're out there helping people out. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's the deal. Boundaries are just limits, and they're, they're healthy. They, they want, they, we need to understand our value. And I didn't understand my values for many, many years, and my boundaries were non-existent. and the ones that I did have, um, I had no consequences to them. So they were really just kind of threats in essence. So if we can grow our boundaries and develop a, a better way of trust, guess what? Our character grows. Our character grows. And guess what? We're going to be more mature. And I will say two more things. We have to learn how to integrate. Like, integration is this ability to handle both the good and the bad of life. In church, we are horrible at dealing with negative realities. Like, like, like we can't, like, we have to spend everything positive. And anybody done the strengths finders? Okay. One of my number one strengths is positivity. The last time I took that, that was before I've done some of the pain healing that, that I took place. But guess what? I use positivity as a means to not deal with negative reality.
0: Yeah. It's and almost, it's almost not okay to say it just stinks. It was like life just stinks me. right now. Like, it's, it's like we're not allowed to say that. Which almost.
2: is uh, one of the most loving things, and yeah. what I would tell you to say, if a friend comes to you hurting, do not give them advice. Do not try to fix it.
0: Or a Bible verse in five seconds. Oh, The one do we've not, been rehearsing for Do not say weeks. a Bible verse to them, please. <laughs> right away.
2: <laughs> listen. The most loving thing you can do is listen. And when they're done, you say, is there more? tell me more. Can I just be patient and listen? And then after that, do not say, "Mm, that's going to be a whole nother night of dumb things we say to people who are hurting. But I'll just say the one right thing to say is, I'm so sorry it hurts. Mm, I care that it hurts. Is there something you want from me? Because they don't want advice, is my guess. If they do, they'll ask for it. Don't be so inserting your advice. Well, I just went to theology class and I know exactly what to say to you. Like, I know stop what you it. need. Stop it. That's not loving. Yeah. Listen. Do you want me to hold your hand or do you want me not to be near you? Would you like me to just sit with you while you cry or would you like me to leave you alone? Ask. Listen. Care. Care that they're in pain. And don't think say this, you know men, the solution.
1: We feel. We feel, you know, we talked about that everybody has feelings. And, you know, hearing Kristen say, what else do you need? You need to cry, you know, a, a dude talking to another dude, okay? It may not happen that way. But I would say this, that as, as men, we need to get and understand what's going on inside. That is one of the most healthy and manly things you can do is to understand how you're wired. But we distract ourselves like, like, and we don't want, we we cope, get our phones out. I don't want to deal with this.
0: Yeah, what, so. what are some of those? Because I think there's a lot, like there are times even when I went to, you know, I had an opportunity to go to a, um, you know, U- UL recent, uh, Ultimate well, Leadership, it seems like yeah. recently, but it's <laughs> with COVID, everybody just skipped a year.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, But, uh, you know, you, you learn like some of the times it's, it's, I didn't even know those feelings were there until somebody was like, Hey, like that's a coping mechanism. What's it connected to? And you kind of start digging in and realizing, so what are, uh," you know, maybe doesn't necessarily need to, cause I think there's some really, there's some big time questions that are coming in right now. And, um, but what are some of the coping mechanisms that you see that might just, what do you notice?
2: Okay, we never answered the question about medication. Yes, it's okay to take medication. Yeah, I was literally there, there just There are about neurological to, and go. chemical things happening in your brain. People with ADHD, you have a smaller anterior cingulate than people that don't have ADHD. So we cannot be expected with ADHD to slow things down and process things with someone who doesn't because we have a different size anterior cingulate in our brain. So there are chem, that's just one explanation. I could give you a million, but there is something chemically going on, and I took Zoloft for a period of time in my life where my anxiety was very high. All it did was let me see below the clouds so I could see a little bit more clearly. And then I saw my therapist and worked through it. And then I went off of it. It's, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing, but it should never be a shameful thing. If you are like not coping, cause you were like, uh, like ramped up all the time with anxiety, please do yourself a favor. Like let, have some assistance. Get those clouds down enough so you can see clear enough to work on the issue. Because um, sometimes we're just either too sad or too anxious to even get to the issue. So, yes, use assistance. Now, the other thing in terms of um, uh, coping skills, most all of us feel anger. Only in church we call it frustration. Um <laughs> If you will read the book "Emotionally Healthy Church" or "Emotionally Healthy Spirituality," you will see that we all have an iceberg, and the top of the iceberg is frustration. And then we don't want to say we're angry, but you know, because then we point to the scripture that says, "Don't go to bed angry." But we're also mistranslating that. By the way, it says, "Don't when you get angry, so you're gonna, um, but don't be divided or separated." from other people. Don't allow your anger to get you into division with God or division with other people. So scripture is not always at first sight what it is. You have to know the context. You have to know the language. You have to know more. Um, But beneath your anger is probably something like shame, fear, pain, um, or guilt. So I'm just going to describe those really quickly. Shame says I'm either not enough or I'm too much. I would guarantee 90% of you in this room feel not enough or too much throughout any given day. That is called shame. And if you believe what I said, that God has stamped his image on your heart and he loves you just as you are, you are neither too much or not enough. You are enough just right. And you are in the process of growing and healing. So shame says you're not enough or you're too much. Guilt says I did something wrong, but I can fix it. That's actually a good feeling. I don't mind having guilt because I did something wrong and I can fix it. Um, Fear and pain are the other two. And so if you're angry or frustrated, just look beneath the iceberg and find, am I feeling shame? Am I feeling pain? Am I feeling fear? Am I feeling guilt? And then can I listen to my thoughts? Because they're not always true. And I know in church we try to say, well, the enemy's putting that thought into my mind. You can say it that way. Or you can say, I'm having the thought that I'm not enough. Well, I just gave you the answer to that. So we answer that thought with what I know that I am enough. So even though I'm feeling shame and I'm having the thought that I'm not enough, I know the truth is I am. And then I can assess what I want and what I need, which is essential. The healthiest people know what they want and what they need and they ask for it. They don't demand it but they ask for it. What I want is Chick-fil-A. And you can say, what I want is Pita Jungle. And either we can both go separately and get our food and then eat together, or I can say, even though I want Pita Jungle, I'm willing to go to Chick-fil-A with you, but I have to know what I want, even if I'm gonna sacrifice it. But most of us think it's selfish to know what, what we want, then we don't know who we are, then we get married, and we have two people who don't feel like they're enough and don't know who they are trying to suck the life out of each other, and nobody has anything to give. So find out who you are, find out what you want and what you need, Believe that you have the whole unconditional love of God manifest in your life. And that if you as you heal and grow, you become your own whole person. And then if you want to get married, you don't have to. It doesn't complete you. It doesn't make you any better than people who aren't married. It's just another thing we do. But if you get married, marry someone who also knows themselves and loves themselves and is a whole person. And together, you guys can be continue on your journey toward wholeness as individuals while complementing each other.
1: So great. I would add one thing to that. The anger um, is underneath too. Many times, anger is disguised as sadness or loss. And I would say this. Growing up as a kid, if you are your sadness was not responded to, Um, many times, again, it stays with us in some ways, but it has to get out in some ways. So if sadness is not responded to, anger lets, lets somebody know that something's wrong. And that's really what anger is. When you feel angry, guess what? That's okay. It's because your body's telling you Something's not right, and I need to get out of this. But if you, if you really like, like get curious about the anger, many times, I'm not going to say 100, but many times it's because we're sad about something that has been lost. And I'll tell you what, when I learned how to grieve, and I'm still learning how to do it, my world opened up. And the healing in my heart that has taken place because I've learned how to grieve losses. And it's not like you've got to go back and do every one of them. But there were some key moments in my life that I had to deal with that I, I didn't know how to. So I went to a grief group, I read some books on grief, I actually did some exercises. And realized there was a lot of hurts and pain because of the loss that I had experienced in the past. So grief is another element that, that if we can grow and learn how to, to grieve properly, our mental health is going to get clearer and sharper. And some of those things that have been weighing us down, especially if you've been depressed, some of that is connected to some of the unprocessed loss that you've not not been able to to expel. And being
2: sad is not unchristian. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think we're just faking it if we're acting like we're not sad because every day something happens that I don't want to happen yeah. Yeah. and I have to grieve it. And every day something doesn't happen that I really wish would have happened and I have to grieve it. So I'm grieving all the time. Um, and it, it, it's a matter of just like, oh. That's disappointing. That's sad. That's makes me angry that that didn't happen the way I wanted to. Shake it off, jump up and down, cry a little bit, whatever your thing is, but let it out because if you- Share it. Yeah, or share Share it. Share it, it's healthy. teach someone what to do when you share. So I just told you all what to do. Go tell a friend after that and say, here's what's gonna happen. I want you to be my grief buddy. Bad things are gonna happen tomorrow because they happen every day. And when I have something bad that happens to me, will you be the person that I can come to and say, I'm really sad and mad and hurt, ah! And here's what I want you to do, listen, validate. And then when, when we're both ready, we can recalibrate. Then we can say, okay, Jesus, refocus me on the, that you love me, that in the, the big picture of life, I'm okay. But don't skip over the disappointment or it will ooze out the sides later. And I will be angry for no reason about things and everyone's going to be like, wow, that is a big reaction to you not getting what you wanted just now. And it's because you didn't get what you want the last 52 times and you never grieved it and you didn't have a friend to share it with. And you didn't shake it off. Shake it off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, You hit on something and and there's a couple more questions that I'll hit. And um, like I said, we won't be able to get to every single question, but thank you all for the... Many many questions that are continuing to come in. Um, like I said, we got a podcast that'll come out in a month, and then we're going to do a Zoom a follow-up Zoom call in May um, to continue to address as many of these questions as possible. But you hit on something about when we, and, and I think you touched on it again, is we we look at sadness and say it's unchristian to be sad sometimes, maybe subconsciously or unconsciously, but uh, or, or consciously. But I think there's a lot of, and you spoke to it at the beginning, but how do we um, like deal with the judgments that subconsciously we attach to feelings or maybe parents or like the ways that, um, even, even as we, as we identify, as we become more aware of the feelings that are there, the hurts that are there, how do we get past the judgments that sometimes kind of come in about, oh, I should not feel angry. Cause I mean, even just like going through here, uh, is 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 angry is being angry sinful is am I supposed to be happy all the time? is anxiety and depression sinful is yeah. like just going through lists and lists and there's obviously all these judgments that we subconsciously attach to real emotions and feelings and hurts and all of that whether because I think that or maybe because of something that i've that i've dealt with in the past how do i Break through that, I guess, so that I can see the feeling clearly, and I can see what to do and how to respond, and maybe how to ask for what I need.
2: Is it sinful? No. Um, Is anger normal? Yes. It tells us something's wrong, and it tells us we need to process something inside of us. And we all have a ton of emotions and feelings about things, and we should. So none of it's, it's information it's information it's just informing us of now, something if yeah. when i'm angry i want to punch someone who has ever really wanted to punch someone in the face around go on like i really want to punch you in the face i'm not gonna i'm not gonna but i need to ask myself why do i want to do that like but if i just say oh i shouldn't feel that way like that's not helping me at all like it's just, I'm just going to feel that way again tomorrow and then I'm going to stuff it down. and then I'm going to stuff it down and I'm going to stuff it down and then it's going to ooze out the sides. Like I have feelings and they got to be processed. They got to be validated, listened to and processed. And if, again, like it's an extenuating thing where like you can't stop talking about it or you just, you have to keep saying it and getting validation from a bunch of different sorts. Like go see a therapist and let them help you talk through it. Like that's, that's.
1: That's great. It's Emotions all throughout scripture. I mean, we have an entire book called Lamentations, you know, and in, in, in the Psalms, two-thirds of the Psalms are laments. And, and so we talked a little bit about sadness earlier, but you think even about Jesus. He's a man of many griefs and sorrows, and we read that scripture and we just like glaze over it. But think about it. He's showing us how to, to, to grieve and to, to experience our loss in real time. If you look at um, in the garden, one of the, the, the most like, like most excruciating times of his life, what did he do? He invited some friends with him. He knew that they couldn't fix it all. But he said, I need you to come and be with me as I experience this loss. And really, that's what comfort's all about. Comfort is just be with me while I experience this loss. And so when we are aware of our emotions and we're, we're a- actually being like Jesus, we're being like Jesus when we're aware of our emotions and we're responding appropriately to what's going on inside. And, and I'm telling you, if we can grow a community that is so emotionally healthy and connected to ourselves, guess what? We're going to be connected to each other. Not to try and fix them, but to empathize and and help along the way and grab their hand to say, you're not alone. You're not alone. I've felt that before. And so I, I didn't answer your question. Did I, does that answer your oh, yeah. question? I said coping I think skills, it, yeah. share it with a friend, skills. go for yeah. a run. Running
2: yeah. is one of the most healing things you can do. Um, talk about your problems to yourself and Jesus while you run is super good. Um, go do something fun. Eat some ice cream. Not all the time. That can't be a solution every time. But sometimes that's the solution. Is it not? I have to Come eat some on, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but you have coping skills. Journal, writing out what you think. Up inside of here, your brain gets all kind of muffled and confused and one thought's fighting off the other one like a pinball machine. Write it down. You will see it so much more clearly. I know everyone's like, oh, I'm not going to journal. That's so annoying. Please journal. I know it's totally annoying, but you'll be so glad afterwards because you can see your thoughts outside of you and see they're much smaller than they were being inside your head. One more thing. I
1: call it dumb journaling. And just free, yeah, fro, really, free flow, free flow. Totally you confident. know, um, 15 minutes. Set a timer. Wake up in the morning, and again, you you're, you may be late for class or whatever. But if you do it in the evening, whatever. But just free flow thought. Do not, do not edit your thoughts. Just write it out. And I've done this, and all the things that come out. It's so great, and and allow yourself to like just like write as fast. It doesn't have to be pretty but get it out, and then you can rip it out, throw it away, you can burn it, whatever you want to do, but by getting it out in a healthy way, that is a healthy way to deal with your emotions. And I, will, I, I happen to wear this just for tonight, and it just simply says, dude, breathe. And I made this shirt for me um, to remind me that I've got to, I've got to breathe. I've got her, God's given us a regulating mechanism called breath. It wasn't created in the Middle East, just so you know. They, they dumped some pretty good things with it. They dumped some really bad things with it as well. But breathing is God's idea. In fact, Job says that the breath of God is the spirit of God. And when when God made man, He breathed into him the breath of life. So, if, if you've ever seen me in counseling, um, this is one of the things that I'm going to have you do. Because you just got there and you're like, I just got out of class, and uh, or I just got off work or whatever, and traffic was crazy. Okay, so here's what's going on. I've got this, this, and this, and I'm like, hey, hey it's okay. Just just breathe. Let's take a. Take a moment because what happens is we get into our amygdala, which is the fight, flight, freeze, you know, response. And when we breathe, it actually moves us to our prefrontal cortex where we can reason and think and be creative and process and all the the things that, that we need, especially to like understand what's going on. So breathing is a really good practice to get into. I do it most every morning. Did it 10 minutes this morning. And it it's so Why can't
2: help- it be our devotional life? Oh, come on. I mean, because Tell it. we like to, you know, go through our prayer list and read all our scriptures, and we can be so disconnected from ourselves and God, doing the business of God. What if we just sit and breathe? Breath is pneuma. Spirit is pneuma. Same word. So, Let's breathe together. Everyone close your eyes. I want you to imagine the unconditional love of the Holy Spirit. When your breath enters through your nose and your mouth, it goes through your brain and into every blood vessel, which goes throughout your entire body and fuels your organs. And as you take another breath and you imagine the love of the Holy Spirit, the breath Pumping through every blood vessel and every cell through your brain. And one more time, the love of God in. Loving me, accepting me just as I am and breathe out everything else. It's like less than 30 seconds. You can do it in the morning When you guys bow your heads to pray and you're trying to come up with something magnificent at the Chick fil A (laughs) table with all of your friends, just say, Let's breathe. Let's not come up with any fancy words. Father God in heaven, whom we love so deeply, with all of your majesticness, just breathe. Let's let the love of God infiltrate our brains and fill our blood vessels and pump to every organ his unconditional love and grace. And now I'm going to eat my french fries.
1: There you go. See, he wants to be in those moments with us. If you slow down enough to be present with yourself and understand where you are in this moment, you invite him in. And guess what? You can be present with the Almighty God, even more connected to him. Being able to be present with yourself through breathing allows me to be more connected to God in the moments throughout the day, in the mornings. Invite him into it. Say, God, would you come and just breathe with me? Just breathe with me.
2: In the story you told earlier, I was just thinking about how terrible Jesus' friends were. I'm so sorry, but friends, they sometimes are the worst. Um, But, you know, he needed them and they're sleeping. He's on the cross and they're betraying him. But n- Jesus knows everything about betrayal and rejection and being left behind and not invited and not included and being called by the Pharisees and Sadducees, all kinds of things. Well, here is the Son of God who has perfect love for us and who we model our lives after. And he suffered all of these things. So as I'm breathing, and I'm taking in his love. I can also say I'm feeling a little bit rejected today. And don't you know he'd be like, I understand that feeling. I'm feeling a bit betrayed today. Yeah, that one really hurts. How can I be with you in that? He's He gets it. And also he's okay if that's not enough and you want to bring a friend in to help you get it too. And also if you want to bring a therapist in. But... Be with him. Don't perform for him. Be with him.
0: That's really good. Um, I want to just hit one more question here as we kind of wrap up tonight and uh, kind of just create a space here in a second. Um, as we, as we kind of just talk through some practical steps we can take to get healthy emotionally, uh, maybe it's a resource that, that you're aware of that might be helpful um, a practice and any other practices that may be helpful. Um, just thinking kind of practically in, in our, in our life. Um, cause I think there, there's definitely some things as we've heard that we can do at home to, to, to work through our emotions, to be more aware of ourself and God's presence in my life. But then also there are some things that we need to bring others in on. And sometimes that is a, that is a counselor. Um, so maybe just speak to some of the practical next steps. Um, but before you before you say that, just kind of really quick, your your thoughts on one how important is is seeing a counselor? Because yeah. um, some of the questions are even based on my job. I don't feel, I don't feel like I should see a counselor. I mean, you even so. Doug is our pastoral care pastor. He's seeing a counselor on next Monday. Um, so just if you feel like, I mean, that's you know, is it? Am I allowed to help people yeah. if I need help myself? Uh, I think you know anyway so we could speak to that but just how important is it that we do see a counselor and what is what what ought to be the role of of faith in that counseling appointment is it is it important to seek somebody that's maybe a faith-based counselor or we've talked about character-based counseling um, or you know for lack of a better term secular counselor i don't even know like how just what what's the role of faith in in therapy how important is seeing somebody um, for those who might feel um, scared to see someone, scared to say, I need help. Um, kind of just maybe speaking to the importance of it or, or what your thoughts are, and then the importance of of the role of faith in, in our counseling um, as you kind of talk through some practical next steps for people.
2: Well, um, finding the right counselor is hard. Some You might go and be like, uh oh, that's not it. That didn't fit for me. Um, so try another one. Because some counselors are good and some counselors aren't that great. And so just like in any profession or anything. Um, so go 100%, go see a counselor, but find the right one for you. And that may take a couple trial and errors or asking some friends or finding out from some people who see a counselor that they really respect and like. Um, but yeah, do some research. But if you go to GCU, you every single counselor there is phenomenal. Um, so you should just go. Um, but if, if you don't and and you need another resource, I I learned how to be more unconditional in counseling school than I did in church. Um, I didn't realize I was not unconditionally loving people until I went to school to be a therapist, and my professors taught me to be more unconditionally loving to people. So... Um, I guess I'm just saying it's possible that just because a therapist doesn't say Christian biblical therapist under their title that they also could produce unconditional love. Um, so I'm just trial and error. Can you? There's a, a resource called Psychology Today if you didn't know about that. But you can go on the website called Psychology Today and you can type in your area and you can – there's a bunch of drop-downs and filters. So you can pick Christian. You can pick, um, you know, female. You can pick whatever – uh, you want. And then a bunch of therapists will come up and you can see their picture and you can read their bio. And so research it, look it out.
0: You mentioned the book, emotionally healthy spirituality, yes. um, emotionally healthy, Yeah, emotionally, healthy spirituality, spirituality is a great zero is his name. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to be, there's, there's some of these resources. We're going to be texting out the links to a lot of these resources and some yep. others here. Um, we're also going to try to get some of these resources to be able to provide. So, um, but,
2: one of my favorite books is called Don't Forgive Too Soon by yes. Dennis Lynn. Um, it's, the, and then the, they have a don't series of the book books. Don't judge the book by its cover. Uh, the book has the, wor- the so funniest little felt type art in it. So don't get distracted by the art. but. Yeah. it's a book that counsels you through forgiving someone all on its own. There's an exercise at the end of each chapter. It associates grief with forgiveness. And
1: And it's so biblical. It's so Uh. beautiful
2: and biblical. And you will learn so much from these three people who write Don't Forgive Too Soon. And every other book they write is phenomenal Jesus-loving people that have produced books that walk you through healing. It's amazing. Yeah,
1: I I would recommend Changes That Heal. If you've seen me, you may have that book. Uh, but I will tell you this, one of the reasons why I like it is because it's character-based. And uh, to, to me, I want to build my character because when I build my character, I actually expand the capabilities to to um, meet the demands of life. Some of you are in a really pivotal moment of your life where the demands are getting harder and heavier. You know, uh, school transition from high school to college, is that's a... That's a big transition, transitioning from college into young adulthood and your own life and all of that. That's a big transition. Maybe you're getting married. Big transition. You need to continue to expand your character because this side of heaven, we're going to continue to grow. We have to continue to grow if we really want to become, I feel, the people that God's made me to be. And that's what wakes me up in the morning. My God, I, I want to be who you've made me to be. And so I spend time with him, and I listen to him. And I would tell you one practical thing, and we've, we've said it before. Just start, if, it, if three pages or 15 minutes is way too much, just do one page of journaling tomorrow. Just try it out. Open up your heart to the Lord. Open up your heart to yourself. And then invite God into that. And, and so I highly recommend reading one of these or all of these books or whatever. But also, breathe. Such an important thing to to breathe, invite the Holy Spirit into that moment. Ask him, what's important for me to know today? take five minutes. We did it for 30 seconds, and I think all of us could say, that was actually kind of cool. That calmed me down just a little bit. Try it for one minute. Do it before you go to bed tonight. I put my hand right here and on my belly before I go to bed, and I breathe. Sometimes I breathe myself to sleep. But I'm telling you, do something. Reach out to get help. Let me say something about our resources. You can go to, to care.gatewaylife.com. We do have some resources on there. We actually have a, a document on there of how to, to find a good Christian counselor. So you can look under care services in, in the resources and, and kind of read that. It may help you. Um, we have some, some you know, grief tools. We have some, um, a, a feelings wheel which is really good. Print that bad boy out and have that in your journal uh, as you're writing. So you can start to articulate and name the feelings you're feeling. Cause if you can name it, you can tame it as they say, but, but you have to know what's going on inside. So there's, there's some practical resources on there and, um, thank you for listening to us tonight.
0: Yeah, that's great. And, um, you know like like we said we're going to there's going to be some more follow-ups um, coming up but like you said care.gatewaylife.com there's there's even um, counselor referrals on there people that we've seen as a staff people that we have physically gone and had sessions with and again once again it's okay they to cost. go see someone yeah. they do cost. They cost and there's some there there's you know there's some questions um uh that that came through just about cost and I'd be more than happy to to talk more about that with some of you if you do have questions or anything like that. There's also, sometimes I just need to meet, uh, I, you know, maybe, maybe it's not something I need 10 sessions for, but just even being able to kind of take that one next step. Might just be meeting with somebody just to talk about where I'm at right now. There's we some opportunities that. Yeah. Um, on that care.gatewaylife.com to sign up for a session, to talk, and to kind of, even just kind of get an idea of where I'm at right now so I know what my next step might be. Um, there, There's some available sessions on there that you can schedule um, with members of our staff and our, and our care team that's here. Um, but all of those are great next steps um, for each of us. The important thing is that there is a next step for each of us. The question is, what is it for you? And um, so, hey, like I said, we're gonna continue the conversation over the course of the next um, couple months. Obviously, we'll be here till... 1 a.m. if we really tried to get through all these questions but um, hopefully you were able to get some value and, and, and learn some things and, and even just become more aware of where you're at right now um, but, uh, but thank you so much um, Doug for being with us and, and Kristen for um, your wisdom and just um, connecting this to the topic and just helping walk us through and I think hopefully if you've learned anything tonight it's we're just more aware that it's, it's an issue and it's something that we all need to grow in that being healthy mentally is just important and it's something we should all um, strive to be more healthy in and um, i think one of the things that i'll kind of end us with is i think if you've heard anything it's many of these practices and seeing someone and all of that the reality is it's best done when it's preventative right when we when we're ahead of it and just you know what i'm probably like if i just let myself go not maybe going to grow as well as I should. And so maybe I'll just see somebody to kind of walk through life with. I think if, if we approached health when it came to, to, to our mental health um, as a preventative thing of, hey, I'll, I just want to be healthy, and so I'm going to continue these practices. I'm going to breathe right now, even though I don't feel anxious, I'm going to breathe anyways to be in touch with who I am. Um, it, that may be your next step as well, is just understand that, that a lot of these things that we're talking about, when we can get out in front of things um, you know, we can see it can, it can, it can really help that journey that we're on. So thank you so much for being here with us. Say what? Go for it. You want to, yeah, there, there's a question really that, quick. um, yeah.
2: and I've heard people say like yoga or mindfulness is not Christian and so, yeah, meditation. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Meditation. Well, meditation is in the Psalms. David told us to do it. Uh so it's very biblical, and what we just did—breathing—that could be considered mindfulness or meditation. Um, so it's really just kind of letting go of all the anxiety and depression, and or being aware. Oh, I am feeling anxious in my chest, or it's—it's it's just being aware of what's happening, and then learning how to either sit in the discomfort of it and letting it pass. Well, you're in the presence of Jesus, because you always are, and being aware that he's there and I'm here. It's just, it's just being aware and present in this moment and teaching you how to slow down. We go so fast. We don't even know what we're thinking or feeling. We're just chasing after something. And really, a healthy person is mindful and aware of what's happening in this present moment. There's, it's not a crazy outside thing. It's a, it's a peaceful awareness thing.
0: That's great. That's awesome. And that really helps us segue into kind of this next, this next moment. Can we, can we give it up for, for Kristen and for Pastor Doug being with us? Thank you guys so much. I hope you took some notes. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kristen and Pastor Doug. We were so thankful that they were able to come and share some of their wisdom with us. Uh, as we talked about, this conversation is not meant to be exhaustive by any means. We understand Uh, that in 60 minutes, 65 minutes, we're only scratching the surface uh, when it comes to this topic of mental health. And uh, we want to demonstrate that. And so we've got um, some follow-up podcasts that are going to be coming out related to this topic with all of the questions that we weren't able to get to um, in this conversation. And uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, You can check us out on Spotify and Apple iTunes. All of those links are going to be in the description below, as well as the resources that both Doug and Kristen mentioned are going to be linked in the description below books websites counseling services all of that kind of stuff stuff to get you started and uh, once again I just want to let you know and uh, encourage you to, to take the time to think what might be my next step when it comes to the topic of mental health in this conversation because again as we learned one of the best ways to get out in front of these issues is really to understand that um, that stewarding our mental health is is a preventative issue more than anything. And the more that we can care for and steward our health when it comes to uh, our mental and emotional and all of that, uh, the better off we'll be in the future. So we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, joining us on this conversation. We'll see you soon.